0: Ronananians. Everybody thinks that this is such a glamorous business that you're driven around in limousines and, you know, chauffeured from here to there. Heck, once your show's over, you're lucky if you get a goodbye. I'm taking what they're giving because I'm working for 11. Oh, oh, oh. The Car Doctor. Look at how involved the automobile is in the economy, and look at what it represents to the economy, and how many people out there that own the Volkswagen will buy another one again. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Ronnie welcome. Start your engines. Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor here at the helm at 855- 560-9900. That number again, 855- 560-9900. The Car Doctor Hotline 24-7. Give us a call when we're not on the air here. We're live Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. on the network, but you can give us a call here when we're not. So you can call 855-560- 9900 anytime, day or night. Motorhead Matt will return the call and get you in the queue. And yeah, Motorhead Matt's in the studio today. Big Tony's here. It's all hands-on deck show this labor day weekend here on the car doctor and we're glad to have everybody with us and um you know just motoring on along as we uh, like to say here at the car doctor Uh, Made some changes. We're not going to have to get into too much uh, detail beyond podcasting at this point, but just say that we can go to Spreaker.com now, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R, like speaker with an R. Go to Spreaker.com, new website that is handling Car Doctor podcasting, also streaming there live. I think I want to bring Tom Ray up. Tom, can I get you up to the microphone real quick? Um, He's in the middle of 72 different things, but let me... Tom, is is there anything the listeners need to know if they want to podcast vis-a-vis uh spreaker any changes from what we had
1: well uh starting uh, this week there's going to be a note up on our podcast page so the uh the normal method will kind of be there but they'll be the, they need to click on the link and go to spreaker and pull it down and it's real easy they can play it right there or they can download it right if they subscribe through uh, uh, uh through an rss reader which will download the show automatically they will need to pull up the uh, rss feed off spreaker but i will have that included as our feed for this week okay so basically
0: any questions they can go to spreaker.com and sort it out from there and and they're also if they want to get out to iheart and look for ronanian or the car doctor they'll find it there and that will send them over to spreaker as well
1: Uh, yes and also the rss feed will also be a part of google play so they can still pull it up on google play
0: and what about the people that are ituners and you know, for the folks that tune in, but I think Spreaker is going to send it over to them. Correct?
1: Yes, iTunes. Uh, the people who use All iTunes radio can radio still use it. iTunes. As far as you know, the, the back door for us is we tell Spreaker to send it to iTunes, and it's done. Right. So for the for someone who's using that, it won't shouldn't be a change. Hello? Gotcha. Boy, it's almost like we're growing. Not bad for a little radio show.
2: Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah.
1: It's almost like we know what
0: we're doing. Almost. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um but anyway thank you Tom so yeah we've made some changes that's what I was alluding to and we're trying to we're trying to streamline things and there's more changes to come and uh, there's more things going on in the background I was thinking out loud and I, I think that's the way I started the comment up on Facebook Ron and Eating the car doctor Facebook page and and I think it's a timely topic as we kick off this hour of the show in relation to what is the value of auto repair and I'm just concerned about it because I wonder how do you measure it Do you, the consumer, measure it by price? Do you measure it by speed? Do you look at how clean the waiting room is and, you know, are there shiny marble floors? And I I guess to how determine, you know, what is the value of auto repair? It depends on are we talking about the shop owner? Are we talking about the vehicle owner? Are we talking about the people that ride in the vehicle? Are we talking about, you know, who? And I'll tell you what triggered this. Someone came into the shop this week, late model Honda with a Honda Odyssey, and it was a normal, routine, seasonal checklist inspection in order, and it had just about 63,000 miles on it. And typically at that mileage, it's it's due for the stuff, right? It's due for the fluids and the filters and all the typical things that you see uh, on a vehicle that's five, six years old at that mileage. And his comment about when I explained that, you know, it's due for a cabin filter, it made it sound like... (laughs) He just wasn't a fan of cabin filters, uh, you know, for um, the sense that it, it, he didn't like the way the dealer sold cabin filters was his exact words. He thinks the way the dealer sells cabin filters is a scam. He doesn't see a value in them. He doesn't understand why they're in a car. And I said to myself, and I say this here in all seriousness, I want to know what somebody like that does for a living because I want to critique their job without really knowing the job. Because I absolutely guarantee you, unless you're a mechanic, unless you do this day in, day out, and I don't care where you work, I don't care if you're a dealer tech, I don't care if you're an indie tech, I don't care if you work for the chain stores, unless you do this business each and every day, there's just no way you're going to understand it to the level that you're going to be competent enough to do what we have to do and deal with on a consistent basis. It just doesn't happen. You may be sneaking by on 72 Monte Carlos and 68 Camaros and and maybe even some late 80s stuff and maybe some early 90s Buicks and GMs and Toyotas and things like that, but you get into a 2017 vehicle, there's no way in heck. One of the posts I put up last week on Facebook talked about a power window problem on a 2000 Toyota. A 2000 Toyota Avalon had data bus information 18 years ago I had to use a lab scope to determine a lab scope you heard me right I had to use a lab scope to determine signals in and out and data packets and to look at what was going on to figure out what was wrong with it and for those of you that's saying well just throw a switch at it the window switch was 600 some odd dollars a power window switch for an 18 year old car and what's the value of auto repair You know, this is a rocket ship business. It really is. And it's growing more and more and more and more. You can't judge this industry by what you knew, never mind 20 years ago or what your mom or dad told you. You have to judge. You can't even judge it by what you learned two weeks ago. It's different already. By the time I get back to the shop on Tuesday, Labor Day weekend and all, it's going to be different again. Something else will have changed. I read an article last night. Somebody is talking about that within eight years, and I saw this up on Facebook, too. Somebody commented on our Facebook page that within eight years, they want to do away with the internal combustion engine entirely across the board. I don't know. Could they do it? Are we capable of it? And there's there's so many things wrong with that statement in terms of could we pull it off? You know, can we make it happen? No more gasoline engines. What will we do with the gas companies? What will we do with all the oil? Where would the economy go? Where would, you know, so many questions. What I come back to is, who's going to fix that electric car? I've got guys around me now that can't spell OBD-2. And OBD-2 has been out since 1995. And we're now going to hand them an electric vehicle, something more complicated than the lunar rover that went to the moon? And we expect them to fix it? I don't think we got the skill set. Another vehicle came into the shop, a 2010 Lincoln. And and, and here's, here's, here's that skill set commentary. It was in for service. We, this is the first time we're seeing it, 105,000 miles. He's becoming a regular customer. And it needed the usual stuff, a set of tires, some fluids. The front brakes had been replaced by the dealer about seven months ago. And they had done some other service work. One of the concerns Charles had was, that the front brakes or something creaked in the wheels as you you know you pull up to a stop sign you'd hear rrr, 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 rrr. just something kind of creaked it didn't sound right I'm always concerned about safety I don't get I'm not too much into sounds and noises and it's just the way I am I, I always look at safety first so let's start with the obvious we we pulled apart the brakes and the caliper slide pins, a caliper slide pin is just what it says. It's a, it's a metal pin, and it's usually in, ensconced in rubber to protect it from the elements or to support it. And it allows the brake caliper, the, the, the piece that grips the brake pad, think of your thumb and your forefingers, you know, grabbing the brake pad against the rotor, that it keeps your, your hand moving, that it keeps the caliper sliding nice and easy. Well, the tech that did it, and I have to say it, what it was, it was a dealer tech, there's four long rubber bushings. are about a half inch long. I guess the one rubber bushing was worn out because he took a razor blade. He cut one bushing in half, and he put one on each pin, and he used that, and he kind of made rubber parts in pieces. This is a 2010 car. You're in a dealership. You can't get a caliper hardware kit. You can't get a caliper. You can't get pin bushings. The same tech must have done the spark plugs because I was in the process of doing spark plugs. The customer didn't think they were done and four of the six plugs came out by hand no ratchet just you know spark plug socket extension and i looked at danny and i went when i got to the first two in the front bank which are easy to do i looked at danny and i went something's not right here and i said these plugs look like maybe they were done they're not they're not yesterday and they're not more than two years old but How do I trust the three plugs that are in the back? I've got to take those out. To take those out, I've got to take the intake plenum off. If I'm taking the intake plenum off, I'm changing the plugs because I don't know how old they are. But four of the six plugs ended up being loose. The problem is, you know, I can sit here and I can tell you all the things that I see wrong and all the things that I think a vehicle needs and the cost. You know, workmanship is steering the repair industry in the wrong direction. And I think before we make it any more complicated, we've got to sort out what we want it to be. I just found out yesterday I'm going to have to go back to school again. And I say it like that because I'm going to have to get hybrid certification to do state inspections and repairs. So, and, and, and somebody I was talking to yesterday explained to me that the hybrid test for ASE, L3, is very vehicle-specific to the point that are the batteries in the car round or square? Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think I need to know if the batteries are round or square in order to plug in a diagnostic connector and let the machine read codes or no codes and tell me if the vehicle is ready for inspection and put a sticker on the windshield. Maybe to repair it, but I think that's got to be left up to the individual shop owner based on how many you see. Nobody seems to know what they want the repair industry to be except cheap, fast, and accurate. And I don't know if you can do that. I don't know if you can have that when you're working on rocket ships because sometimes when you rush, rocket ships go boom. And sometimes when you you put things out to the lowest bidder, all you do is get cheap work and poor workmanship and problems down the road. I'm just thinking out loud. I'm just thinking that, At the rate we're going, technology is really pushing our buttons and driving cars, maybe in the wrong direction. But as I pointed out last week, and I'll point it out again this week, I don't know if it's so much that good mechanics aren't expensive, they're priceless, but understanding customers sure make the trip that much easier. And I think you've got to be more of an understanding customer and not assume you know more than the mechanic. Sometimes you probably do. I've seen what's out there. But... If you find a good one, hang on to him. Listen to what he or she has to say. It's very important. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, pulling over to the side. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Amy, The Car Doctor here, 855-560-9900. More information at cardoctorshow.com. Let's get over and talk to Jerry in New York, 2005 Dodge Grand Caravan. Jerry, you're up first. How can I help you here?
3: Yes, thank you, Ron. You're welcome, I called sir. you uh, a number of weeks ago about an extended crank problem with an 05 Grand Caravan 3.8. Okay. And you you suggested that I... Check the crank sensor and the throttle position sensor to see if they're synchronized. I don't know if that's if they're synchronized or not, but I eventually replaced the uh, fuel injectors. I solved the problem.
0: Okay, um, you replaced all six. Just on a whim, or what led you in that direction, Jerry?
3: No, I, I, was, I was sure that the engine was uh, running rich. When it did fire up, it would misfire, especially on cylinder number one. It came up with multiple misfires. Okay. And uh, I ordered a set, set on eBay of rebuilt Simon's. And I put them in, and I have not had any extended cranks since then, and that was this past Monday.
0: Now, let me let me point something out just for your benefit for everyone else's, or unless you did that. I kind of remember this conversation. Had you checked fuel pressure at any one particular point?
3: Yes, yes. And I could not see any leakage, but that was – I've been working on this vehicle for a year. I've been driving it and working on it for a year, trying to solve the problem. And I thought several times I had the problem solved, but this time I'm quite sure that it's corrected.
0: Because in theory, if you had a leaking injector, it would not have held residual pressure when you, if you had left the gauge on there after you shut it down.
3: I understand. Right. I understand. I only check the pressure. You know, those fuel rails, you have to splice into them. There's no trader valve.
0: Right. Right.
3: And uh, I... I I did not see any leakage, but possibly there was a small amount.
0: Right. Well, you won't see it externally. If that injector is leaking, what usually happens is the pintle, the, the injector itself, leaks internally and causes the fuel to bleed off and dump into the cylinder. So you won't see it internally. All I was trying to point out was just that, you know, it's always good to look at, at Here's the bad, here's the good, you know, what it looks like on both ends. The the worst, the hardest thing in the world and the worst thing we do is try to diagnose a broken car we've never seen and, you know, what's good and what's bad, what looks right, what doesn't. And that's why, you know, maybe next time just think about, you know, put a fuel pressure gauge on there, turn the key off after the engine's running, how long does it hold residual pressure?
3: Yes, I did that. That's what I meant oh. that I did not notice that the pressure was falling.
0: That's interesting so then why would why it would could why, have been, go ahead
3: I'm sorry it could have the pressure could have been lost overnight uh, the The engine always fired up when the when the temperature was cold here in New York, the colder outside, the faster it started.
0: okay um has the weather changed where you are in New York?
2: Is it still? Uh,
3: We've been. uh, I've seen some ice already, some frost. Uh, One chilly morning, it fired up
2: beautiful.
0: Right, but it it starts easier in cold weather, correct?
3: That was the symptom. That was a part of the symptoms, correct? And after the engine was warm, and maybe I went inside a store and came back out or stopped at McDonald's, and it crank, crank, crank.
0: Right, under a hot soak is, is when it. Right, under a hot soak is when it had the problem. And refresh my...
3: Exactly, and I knew... Go ahead. I'm sorry, pardon me.
0: That's all right, sir. Go ahead. No, finish your thought, Jerry.
3: And I knew, like I said, I, I knew the engine was getting too much fuel for some reason. I could smell it in the exhaust. The exhaust smelled rancid. So just kind of a process of elimination after replacing this thing and that thing and lots of things, I decided to go for a set of fuel injectors, and she's been starting perfectly.
0: Okay. Um, I'd be curious, just, again, just being, just trying to diagnose it, um, had you hooked a fuel pressure gauge up to it to drive around with to see what the fuel pressure would have been when it went into the no start?
3: No, I did not. No, and I did not leave it... overnight I was working on it an afternoon and left it on for a few hours right but every, every And I tried recycling the key as well various times, and that didn't solve the problem. Recycling the key never solved the problem.
0: Interesting. Okay. Hey, Jerry, I appreciate the update as well as everyone else. I'm sure they do, too. And uh, thanks for being part of the Car Doctor family, and I'm, I'm happy your vehicle is fixed. Keep us posted if anything else comes along, and uh, we'll be glad to reach out and do what we can for you. I'm Ron Anning, the Car Doctor. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the car doctor eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero 855-560-9900. The car doctor's 24/7 number. Give us a call. Let's talk about it if you're podcasting, and you want to talk about a car problem. Uh if you're within if you're within the sound of my voice, which if you're podcasting obviously you are, 855-560-9900 works. Even if we're not, you know, we're, we're not in your market at that time or you're not in a part of the country that takes the affiliate. Um, if you're podcasting, you can call that number Saturday afternoons, two to four PM Eastern time. We're good to go. Recent article. This came to me from Anthony Emilio, our retired police officer out of Chicago. This was in the Chicago Tribune over the summer, July of 17. Uh, in a growing industry, mobile workers diagnose and fix cars at owners' homes. I've, I, I want, I've been wanting to read this for a while, and I've got the opportunity here. When Peter Champlin, an auto mechanic for nearly 15 years, popped the hood on a 2003 Jeep Liberty, he fixed a leak with a new clamp on the lower radiator hose and installed a new ignition coil, and the bill was $189.33. The problem I have with mobile mechanics, and I think they've got their place, and I actually think in certain parts of the country where. It's a little bit more remote and a little bit more spread out, and repair shops aren't as abundant. I get it. I can understand why you're going to do that. But I want to know how a mechanic in Chicago, known as the Windy City, is going to be doing these same repairs December, January, February, and March. That's the part I don't get. And how do you build a relationship with that? And how do you sit there and, you know, deal with it both as a consumer and both as the mechanic i think about some of the repairs i do on a day-to-day basis in the shop there are some things i really like doing outside i i like doing dashboard work outside it's easier you can have the doors open it's warm it's you know you're climbing in and out of the car you're not twisting between lifts and toolboxes and carts and it, it, it just makes it easier but to do that in somebody's driveway And if the answer is going to be, well, we limit the service work of what we're going to do to X, Y, or Z, and then we're not going to go beyond a certain point, are you shortchanging yourself because you're not developing a relationship? Because as we've all established here, it's not about price. Well, maybe it is about price. I don't think it's about price. I think it's about the relationship. I think it's about walking in and saying, hey, Ron, I need this and this. Remember, we talked about it the last time, and you know it's going to get done. The article continues. Routine stuff for an experienced mechanic like Champlish, who was certified by National Institute for Automotive Service Excellence as a master technician. And there's the be-all and end-all. Um, I'm kind of down on ASC, too, especially with some of the things they've been doing. But I get it. you got to start somewhere. The repairs were done in the owner's driveway in the Chicago suburb of Streamwood, not in a repair shop or dealership service department. At a time when few medical doctors still make house calls, a growing number of... Are you guys ready for this line? A growing number of Car doctors, I guess I've created a whole nother cottage industry, are driving to customers' houses or places of business to perform repairs and maintenance while the customers continue their usual daily routines. You know, this is another problem, all right? And I've been meaning to talk about this, too. So we've got to structure ourselves around the customer. We can't disrupt the customer. We can't disrupt their routine. We've got to make sure that they get – the problem is you're dealing with a rocket ship, And sometimes you've got to disrupt somebody's routine because it's not all about them. It's about getting the car fixed properly and giving the mechanic proper time to do just that. And that's where, uh, you know, I have to say, J.D. Powers, you know, the, the J.D. Powers survey that all the car dealers go through. I think J.D. Powers gives people, in a sense, too much power in their head. They tend to think that, well, if I complain about this, I'll get some attention. If I complain about that, I might get something knocked off the bill. You know, as I've told you in the past, I have friends who work at dealers, and one of them, her job is to make sure there's enough cook- uh, chips in the chocolate chip cookies. Not how good is the repair. And the problem is the tech can knock his brains against the wall, make that car absolutely perfect, and then find out that there was only 22 chocolate chips in the cookie and not enough, and there wasn't 24, and he loses his ratings according to J.E. Power. J.D. Powers is making everybody a crybaby. For the customers, the article continues on, there's no waiting around at a repair shop or shuttling back and forth to drop off. I don't have anybody waiting at my repair shop. I don't know a lot of repair shops that have people waiting at their repair shops, except mostly for emergencies, maybe in dealerships where we're trying to do some service work for things that, I get that, that's there, but we're, we're, we're approaching an age where auto repair isn't going to be a while you wait business. Auto repair is going to become, you know, beyond normal service fluids and filters. It's going to become leave the car for a week, and we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll see where we're going because of how complicated it is. Independent Mechanics began advertising mobile services several years ago on Craigslist and similar sites, which I've seen. And i got to tell you, the way they're written... Uh, you know, you look at some of the way these ads are written on Craigslist, and these guys cannot spell. They they have improper English. Their grammar is very poor. I don't know that I would trust them to work on a bicycle, much less an automobile that goes down the road at 60 miles an hour and weighs two to three tons. Now, through startup companies, say, there's, there's, always, there's always the money side of it. They're now offering mobile repair services, rosters of experienced mechanics available seven days a week, instant online price quotes. For a variety of repairs and twelve months, twelve thousand mile guarantees. I um, I don't know that that's that's all that important. Um, I mean, it is, but it isn't because a lot of repair shops offer twelve thousand mile, twelve month warranties. The article then goes on to talk about how Champlin, for instance. Um, worked for a company in Oakbrook, Illinois that has mobile mechanics in Illinois, California, and Texas, and plans to expand into several more states. A more established and much larger competitor, your' mechanic based in Mountain View, California, operates in most major metro areas, most major metro areas and 33 states with plans to add more areas in the near future. Both claim to perform maintenance and repairs at lower cost than a dealership or repair shop. So again, we're back to let's fix the rocket ship as cheap as possible. But what happens when he shows up and it's a repair that's not in his wheelhouse? I want to see the guy take the transmission out in somebody's driveway. I want to see him do brakes in somebody's driveway. I want to see him do brakes in somebody's driveway and he needs a wheel bearing that now he's got to run and go get or the bolt snaps and he's got to drill and tap it. I mean, there's a whole slew of potential problems here. And the most important thing, I think, is using a service such as this, You, the consumer, are robbing yourself of the opportunity to build a relationship because auto repair is about the relationship. It's about when you walk in the door, they know who you are, they ask how you are, they remember the car, and they're already writing up the ticket, and they're talking about the things that were recommended the last time it was there because they know you like to fix the car. Not a fan of mobile mechanics. The biggest problem we're solving... Uh, Simon said, who is, uh, who's Simon? I missed something here. Oh, he's the uh, CEO of Octobots and co-founder of the company. The biggest problem we're solving here is the actual inconvenience that is associated with the hours of waiting at a repair shop. Again, the actual inconvenience? Does, does anybody have any idea what we're trying to fix? How inconvenient it going to be when the guy shows up and something breaks in the driveway and you've got to get a towed somewhere because, oops, we couldn't do that? I was reading a review this morning just to show you the mindset of people out there uh, about Smokey and the Bandit. Who remembers Smokey and the Bandit, right? Burt Reynolds, Sally Fields, Cherry Reed. This this author was beating up Smokey and the Bandit for its technical inaccuracies, for the fact that people would have to pull over to let the police go by, for, for the fact that how many times they passed – you know or did things incorrectly that they wouldn't have been able to outrun the cops and on and on and missed the whole point of the movie that it was just a good old fun movie it wasn't meant to be technically accurate heck i don't think any movie made today is technically accurate or any movie made 30 or 40 years ago is technically accurate we've lost our point of logic and now it's starting to affect us and come into the automobile so i don't know Mobile mechanics. I'd be curious to get your thoughts. I just don't see. I just don't see how it's going to work long term. I don't. I don't think it can. And um, I think it does more harm than good. And I think it hurts you and your relationship with a real mechanic. And uh, that's a concern. That's a big concern. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Ron and Andy the car, doctor. I'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back. Ron and Annie, in the car doctor at your service, 855-560-9900. Let's go over and talk to Jason in Colorado. Jason, you're on with the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Jason. Hi, Ron. How you doing? Good, sir. What's going on?
2: I, um, I called you a couple of weeks ago. Um, I had a 06 Jeep Grand Cherokee Laredo <clears throat> that had an intermittent no start, and it was throwing a code. I believe it was a P- 0706, which was the transmission range circuit.
0: Okay, yep. And I, so, in my this.
2: mind, this is what's wrong with the vehicle. You know, I, I believed it was um, transmission-related. And I took it to my main mechanic. Um, he totally, you know, my understanding, he totally gutted it. Like, he had everything taken apart. He was testing modules. He didn't figure out what was wrong with it. Gave it back to me. Didn't charge me anything. He was like, sorry, I can't figure out what's wrong with it had my brother look at it, who has a uh, mechanical background, um, same thing. He couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. Um, he wanted to pull the tranny out of it, and I told him no. And so um, a couple days ago, I pulled the battery. I pulled the plastic um, just, I guess, frame that the battery sits on. I traced the ground below the block, and the bolt for the ground was literally just coming right out of the block. And hmm. so I tightened it all up, put it all back together, started it. It's fine.
0: Isn't that interesting? And, and, and there's a case, I guess that's proof positive, that, you know, how one module in an unrelated area or what could appear to be unrelated can affect the actual operation of the vehicle.
2: Yeah, exactly. When I, I ran codes again and the P0706 doesn't come up anymore, it's gone.
0: Right. And, you know, part of the problem is a 2006 is a pretty simple vehicle by today's standards. Wait till the wait till the 2016 yeah. start doing this stuff, and that's and this is my argument. You know, the article I was just reading talking about tech and mobile mechanics. I get it; mobile mechanics have their place, and I'm not trying to knock anybody or take away any business. But I just don't see how they're going to be able to get that deep into a problem. And you know, are they doing a disservice because they're making you the vehicle owner think? Well, I can just take my car and you know, I can just leave it in the driveway, and somebody will show up and fix it. And I don't
2: I don't know that that works.
0: Um, you know, it just,
2: yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that would work either. No. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, you know, it just, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So it's all good now. Any idea on how the bolt got loose?
2: That I don't know. Um, it was so weird. I mean, cause I've seen bolts come loose before just from vibration, right. but this was hand loose where I believe when I, <clears throat> you know, you can't see the bolt, it's underneath the block. Like, so I had to kind of follow the ground with my hand until I found the bolt. I believe I turned it twice and the bolt came out in my hand. Right. So I don't know if somebody loosened it, like, you know, before I got the vehicle. And that's kind of what it sounds like.
0: Likely vibration is um, is what did it.
2: Okay, so it just kind of, over the years, it just kind of vibrated itself loose to the point where it just didn't have a good ground anymore.
0: Right, unless, unless you've got reason to believe somebody was working on the vehicle in that area and they loosened it up. Listen, things, things loosen up. I was talking a couple of weeks ago on the hot rod, the 55 Chevy. The, I, was, I, was, um, I, I kind of had my foot in it, and around 5700, 5800 RPM, it started to break up and miss, and it just wouldn't go turns out the ground lead coming off the distributor had vibrated loose tightened it up and problems fixed so you know yeah yeah and i just
2: i can't believe how sensitive all that is where all you need is a bad ground and the whole system goes down Mm
0: -hmm. well and 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 this is the problem you know carpenter bob says if you knew how a house was built you wouldn't live in one the car doctor says, if you knew how cars were really made, you wouldn't drive one. You'd be afraid to, and it's it's the truth. They're just they're so fragile, and you know the least little and the silliest thing can leave them disabled and on the side of the road. So, but in any event, Jason, I'm glad it worked out for you, babe, and um, you keep on motoring and uh, you keep on listening, and uh, uh, we're happy to have you here. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, coming back right after this. Back, we're on the Indian car doctor. A um, little bit of a lull here. We can kind of wind it out this hour, but um, I want to finish this letter from Steve Rosenthal. I love Steve. He's a funny guy, and he, he definitely wears his emotions on his sleeve, and uh, he, he sent me a nice long letter back over the summer, and I, I'm still reading it. So uh, we left off the part where we were talking about tires. Steve writes, Michelin Tires bought a set at Sam's Club some 15 years ago for the 1999 Green Civic. Four years later, the right front tire developed a bulge at around 70,000 miles, went to the local Firestone, and have used Firestone Bridgestone since. Last spring, a wheel on the 2013 Blue Honda, threw a weight causing a vibration from 65 to 70, problem resolved and the weight was replaced. Driverless cars, who's going to work on them? You'll be ready if you choose to, but what about the guys who just throw parts of cars? I guess I don't think about that. And I guess there are guys out there that throw parts of cars. It just happens. Um, You know, and and, and sometimes, you know, I talked about it this week on Facebook regarding the power window switch on the 2000 Avalon where, yeah, you know, I got down to the last 85, 90 percentile, but to diagnose it, to pinpoint diagnose it right to the exact cause would cost so much because of how complicated it was because it was a, a pre-scan data bus vehicle. You couldn't get body computer module information on a scan tool. Uh, we were in the last 15 percentile. You threw a module at it or a switch at it and it did fix the car. But, yeah, there are guys that throw parts at cars. I can't, I can't deny that. Paying unemployment for this is what I wanted to get to. Paying unemployment for those displaced by driverless cars, no sweat. The government will just print more money count on it. We're only twenty trillion in debt, so what's the problem? That's true. And the problem is everybody's talking about driverless cars and we're gonna have, you know, less vehicles on the road, which we will. But what's that gonna do to the economy? Has anybody looked at the number of cars that have been ruined by Harvey in Houston? I read the number this morning. It's something on the order of 600,000 cars. A half a million cars. Is it accurate? I hope so. Gee, it was in the newspaper. It has to be right. But, you know, 600,000 cars. They're saying that if the people from Harvey get their insurance checks and start going out to buy cars in the beginning of September this month, go out and now begin... They won't be able to fill all the orders until late October, early November because of the demand that they expect to be there. So, yeah, Steve's right. You know, we're so dependent upon the automobile, we're just going to be a little bit more in debt. What's the big deal? Steve, I'll finish your letter maybe next week, but if not, um, keep them coming. I always enjoy them. I'm Ronan in the Car Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive, they're priceless. See ya.